Decorating Pages is a podcast dedicated to taking you behind the scenes of the designs of your favorite TV shows and films. Each episode, I'll be sharing design stories from some of Hollywood's most famous sets. Interviews from set decorators, production designers, directors, and actors about creating the look of TV and film, about their design inspirations, and stories that take sets from page to screen. Hello, and welcome to Decorating Pages. I'm your host, Kim Wanup. I hope that everyone is staying safe and healthy. I hope that uh, we're all keeping our masks on. I think it's actually pretty impressive how quickly a lot of people got masks pretty quickly. I mean, either you got your bandana or I got like four for 20 outside of Trader Joe's. I mean, I'm pretty impressed that everybody has their masks and I'm pretty more impressed when people actually wear them, which I think is responsible. And I appreciate that because I try to do it, too. I even got little masks for the boys, which I think is kind of sad, but I was surprised. They actually kept them on. They wouldn't take them off, which is even really scarier, but uh, but they're still super cute in them. Um, but yeah, I hope you are safe and healthy at this time. Um, I hope you're probably sick of watching TV. Um, not like me. Uh, what's one of watching this week? Well, I finished up The Last Dance, that Michael Jordan documentary... Um, on ESPN, the 30 for 30, and I might start it again, because I'm actually running out of things to watch. Um, it was so good, and there is a scene, I think it's the last episode, or maybe second to last, maybe number nine, where Jordan is on the floor of the locker room after, I think, the 97 finals, and he has this gut-wrenching cry, and man, I just lost it. I just, that release, uh, I mean, I've been there, I mean, I, I think a lot of people have been there when you just release after either a win or a loss of some kind. And, oh, it's just so good. The series was so good. I know. I seriously, I might watch it again. Um, still checking through The Wire. We just finished season three last night. But I'm going to hold off on talking about The Wire till a later date. I watched Rocket Man, which I hadn't seen. Um, and it was good. I'm a fan of Elton John. I don't really like musicals. They kind of make me uncomfortable watching people dance. I just kind of, and sing, I just kind of feel embarrassed for them or something, even though it's a film. But anyway, I liked it. It was good. I'm not, I'm, I'm okay that it took me this long to watch it, but it was good. Uh, the design is fantastic and uh, the costumes are great. And if you're an Elton John fan, seriously, it's pretty good. So, um, our internet was out one night, which was kind of scary because then your whole world is kind of like, oh, we can't do that, that, or that, huh? Um, we almost played Scrabble, but then we uh, dove deep into that DVD collection and pulled out Goodfellas, which if you're like me, you've seen it a million times too, and that's okay. Uh, I'll watch it a million more. It's, it's a film that has just inspired me in so many ways to want to be a part of filmmaking and I just think it's one of those almost perfect films for me so we watched that this week and I'm still doing these master classes which I did the one with the guy with the negotiating who has a very weird dialect and a very weird way of talking to me it's um it's almost like he's drunk or something I don't know I didn't really get much out of it <laughs> I mean, it's kind of like probably if I was negotiating for people's lives, 
I might really be have been paying attention, but when he tries to implement it to like a salary increased, the oh, or like he does this whole thing with like letting his daughter go sleep over her boyfriend's house or some shit. It was weird. It got very weird. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. So I don't know. I might still need another negotiating class. I don't know. Um, other than that, I mean, you know, trucking along, trying to do my best to uh, get through this, uh, trying to keep in touch with friends and hoping everyone's staying uh, happy and healthy. In this episode, I speak with production designer Bob Shaw. And let me tell you, I I had a wish, I have a wish list of people um, that I made in the very beginning when I started this, and he is on it. So to have him on this and to speak with him is like beyond. And um, it probably blew this interview, honestly. It's, uh, I really couldn't steer it. I was, uh, I'm kind of all over the place because I just wanted so much information. I wanted to know about The Sopranos. I wanted to know about Boardwalk Empire and Vinyl and uh, Wolf of Wall Street. I don't know. So I, 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 I don't know. I dorked out a little on this in probably not a good way. <laughs> but he talked about so many great things. I mean, shooting The Irishman in New York City, shooting Jersey for Jersey on The Sopranos, a great little tidbits about the prequel to Sopranos that he finished. Um, the sets of Boardwalk Empire, The Wolf of Wall Street, his current project, The Gilded Age. Uh, talked about working with Scorsese and how he gets into production design. He talked about process with set decorators, which was fantastic. And um, and then we, we conclude with some thoughts of pandemic. So it was uh, just absolute privilege to speak with him because his sets are so authentic that he has designed and um yeah i hope you enjoy so much in New York you must be used to it I've shot mostly in New York and I'm used to it although we shoot in Manhattan less and less all the time yeah um and some of it it's just so hard to get on the grid and um you know I do a lot of, of period things and so it's difficult to get the control that's needed um you can't really I mean on on the Irishman we uh, took over a corner where we we built the exterior of Umberto's clam house, mm-hmm. and we were impacting this one corner for weeks. And it's hard to do that uptown. We were in um, the lower lower east side, like below Houston Street, and um, it's not especially busy in terms of vehicular traffic. Mm-hmm. But it's just hard to do that. It's hard to to um, take over a street. And um, do you think, and do the work that you need to do. Do you think it's gotten harder since? Is it money, or is it nine eleven? Is it like? Do you think it's gotten it's, harder? It's it's the amount of work. It's the it's after the tax incentive. Oh. When I worked on Sopranos all those years, we when they did the pilot, which I didn't do, or when they set the show up, um, 
they didn't really know that it was going to be what it what it became, and they didn't want to invest the money in turning a warehouse uh, in New Jersey into you know the stage, mm-hmm. um, which was a shame because we always shot in New Jersey. I mean, um, David Chase was very adamant about shooting Jersey and 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 not saying Queens looked like New Jersey or, or something else. Yeah. So, um, but I, I, there, there wasn't a tax incentive at the time. And, um, you know, uh, even the Sopranos prequel film, we filmed more in New York than we did in New Jersey, just because we couldn't afford to do more than a certain amount of New Jersey from a tax incentive point of view. Yeah. But there's just so much production, it's crazy. Um, oh, and and um, that's what's made it harder. That nothing's rarefied anymore, and it's like, yeah, I don't care. You would be the the eighth movie on this block this year. We just don't care. We just don't want it. Yeah, you know. Yeah, you you just you wear locations out, and then I think as designers, you don't. I you know I saw that location and this 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 and this. I don't want to go there. I feel, especially like in LA, I feel like it just locations get exhausted and you, you know, designers don't want to use them and I don't blame them. You, you've seen it in like 20 things. It happens everywhere. I mean, I can look at a movie shot in New York and say, customs house, you know, this place, this place, the other place. And particularly for period, you know, people go to the same things over and over again. Yeah. And, um, I was just looking at the um, the plot for the, the plot against America on HBO, and yeah. a friend of mine who decorated um, West Side Story was saying, "Oh, the, their designer wasn't very happy because they shot um, in a lot of the same places they shot for West Side Story, and um, they were there before um, the plot before America." And I said, "Well, we shot some of the same places <laughs> on on Newark, and we were there before you, and we we're going to be out probably after you." So. You know, um, but it's it's difficult. I keep saying New York needs some new old buildings. <laughs> you know, yeah. Well, that, I mean, I don't know if they're making any more of those. I think that's and the boroughs are the boroughs are kind of tapped out too. I mean, Brooklyn's harder. Um, you know, fortunately, I've done some movies where we've been in Queens and the Bronx, but even a place like um, Ridgewood, Queens, um, where we've filmed quite a lot. Um, on the Irishman, because to my eye, it passed pretty decently for Philly. Mm-hmm. Um, that's getting tapped out, you know. I love somebody, once somebody shoots there, everybody wants to shoot there. You know? I uh, I watched the pilot again of uh, Boardwalk Empire, which I loved that show. I, I, I really I miss it, but um, you had so many sets in that pilot to establish for the show. Well, I mean, you know. It seems to get get bigger and bigger all the time, and you know some of it's a, a function of working on the the scope that Scorsese works on because that was my first Scorsese project, and then The Wolf of Wall Street. There were much more locations, yeah. and then on The Irishman, um, we were around three hundred mm. um, sets and locations, and so um, it seems to be becoming the new norm. Um, even network television shows aren't written the way they used to be. Mm. You know, it's not that law and order thing of, you know, half of the show will take place. There'll be a scene in the DA's office. There'll be a certain number of scenes in the courtroom. There'll be a certain number of scenes in the judge's chambers. There'll be, 
you know, and then they have a certain number of loca- locations to look for. And TV scripts have more locations than than movie scripts used yeah. to have. Yeah. And movie scripts are off the map. Because um, I was talking to, you know, Barbara Ling from um, mm-hmm. uh, Once Upon a Time, and she was talking about, you know, my God, 160 sets. And I said, Barbara, <laughs> we had like 300, you know. I Yeah. So, and, and the prep time at least for me, it doesn't seem to get any longer. I don't, I don't. Um, (laughs) And it depends on the project because, um, you know, uh, all bets are are off a little bit for, for Marty, you know. Um, But even then there, there's limits and it's, it's hard, it's harder to make the, to make the deals. And the last thing I would want to be is a location manager. Oh my God. Uh, And I would not want to be a location manager right now. Especially and how? Oh, right now is is tough. I mean, we have a conference call on Monday for my current project or my project that's on hold. Mm-hmm. You know, even trying to talk about what we think would be the approach to getting back up again because yeah. it's not so bad. Like in the art department, I think you know some people could still, if they felt more comfortable, draw and draft remotely. Yes, and um, I wonder. When you take on a project uh, with Scorsese, is it um, very collaborative on his end, or is he the, you're the professional? I'm leaving you alone. You do you. Um, it's it's involved. Um, mm-hmm. That uh, I mean, he usually has a lot of of references, usually film references, um, and. Uh, you know, so there's usually some homework to do. Um, it's usually more, um, it's like, it's like flash dance. It's a feeling, you know, <laughs> it's, it's not, it's not, um, this is the set I want. It's, you know, this is the, this is the feeling I want. This is the mood I want and, mm. and that sort of thing. Um, but I probably have more contact with, um, his researcher, Marianne Bauer, um, because, you know, she's pulling reference and pulling research, you know, well before I even start. Because when a script is in development and and he's working on it or working on it with the screenwriter, he, um, uh, you know, relies on, on, on Marianne a lot. Mm. And, um, you know, it's interesting that, um, you know, most of the things I've done with him were very sort of reality based and very, you know, right. Boardwalk, Wolf of Wall Street. Although it's funny, as they point out that, you know, we we were trying very hard to, um, uh, be accurate, except for when we decide not to be accurate. Um, because in Boardwalk, the hotel that, um, Nucky lived in the Ritz, uh, in reality, was the most boring hotel on the boardwalk. <laughs> it was a red brick box in a sort of somewhat neo-colonial style. And then there were all these fabulous hotels like the Tremor and whatnot that had carved mermaids and sea creatures and stuff like that. And we were like, brick colonial, yeah. <laughs> carved sea creatures. I yeah. think we're going to go more, you know, in another direction. And it was the same thing, the... Um, the the uh, Villa de Roma um, restaurant in, in um, the Irishman uh, it still exists in Philly, but it's really a, a red brick box, yeah. and it's got a drop ceiling and um, 
you know, nothing really interesting about it um, in terms of nothing cinematic about it. I don't say nothing interesting. Um, But um, so we really just made up our our version of the Villa de Roma, um, which was a sort of collage of a lot of different uh, New York Italian restaurants that I'd known over time a lot of which aren't there anymore. Like there was a restaurant in Cobble Hill called Monty's that had murals on the wall. And there was a restaurant um, called Lanza's uh, on First Avenue, which had this kind of broken up tile floor. And then there's a restaurant in Cobble Hill that still exists that has this um, old-fashioned tongue-and-groove acoustic ceiling, which mm. sort of has a big bubble in it and, and um, a lot of water damage and whatnot. But, um, you know... <laughs> And it's uh, it's kind of stating a case, but um, uh, you know, it, I have a lot of contact with um, with uh, with with Marty in the process, but it's more like constantly bringing him things and constantly bringing him references, and, mm-hmm. and um, so it's more presenting, and you know, he'll give feedback. I mean, it, and over time, it's like more tweaking and less. Oh, this isn't what I was thinking about at all. You know. Right. Um, so, uh, but it's, it's incredibly rewarding to work with him. Oh, so. yeah. Your, I mean, your projects with him are magnificent. I mean, even, even that feeling of, of Wolf of Wall Street, of, of how, like, the camera whips around and you have this adrenaline through almost the whole movie, your sets lend so much to that and, and the the uh, richness of, like, when he has the huge house or, like, the even when they're in that like garage starting out the business um you have such great textures and and um i don't know the the sets to me in that film are are our character and i know it's based on a on a book i i think i read like half of that book and then i uh, well that's another one where we uh, we actually were able to get into the real house oh um, wow that i owned and um his descriptions of it in the book um, definitely overstate its level of opulence, oh, wow. and uh, it just it was was not. I don't think as as interesting as the house we ended up filming in, mm. with this absolutely wonderful family who, who who lived in the house the whole time. It was big enough for them to just go move to another part <laughs> of it, and um, um, they were fantastic. But um, the, the uh, woman of the house who the, the, who had really supervised the decorating. I mean, she had a decorator, but she was very, very involved with her decorating. Um, I mean, for a decorator's dream, she, you know, had a little office room and she had all of her boxes and all of her file boxes and she had all of her note cards and she had all of the trims used on all of the drapes oh, wow. stapled to the note cards with a list of where it was from. And this is from Scalamandre and this is from Brunswick. Hire her in the art department. <laughs> and she, she had it all together. And when I, when I first pitched that house, um, Marty didn't really go for it because he thought it looked too English. Mm-hmm. And, um, and he thought he wanted something that was a little bit more in the kind of style free, um, mini mansion look mm. and we ended up scouting it again by accident and then he loved it and when i first scouted the house and, and thought i wanted to, to sort of push that house i said to alan christensen who was a decorator i said 
what you're going to save on drapes alone <laughs> is like a fortune because um, it was very, very um, expensively done. Oh, man. I mean, it look. I mean, yeah. She she spent it. I guess she had it. She spent it. Well, um, you know, she was also. I mean, she was a nice person. She also said, you know, look, I I've raised my kids. She said I didn't grow up with this, and you know, I've raised my kids very much to tell them that you know, not everybody um, lives like this mm. and don't expect it. Um, she was sort of the opposite <laughs> of Jordan, the character. But, you know, it's funny, Wolf of Wall Street, I don't have a strong, as strong a sense of, like, an overall look for that movie. I felt like, I would say I felt like there were a lot of meals to be served, and I got something on the table every night. But, you know, I'm not sure how some of it tasted. Well, um, I mean, there's such a difference with, like, the beach house versus their house, or... Well, again, that was something where um, we pushed for more contrast, because mm. in reality... Um, both their houses, um, the one in Long Island, the one in, um, yeah, I guess it was in Old Brookfield, and then the one in at the Hamptons, they were both kind of shabby chic, you know? And um, it just seemed like it would be too confusing to have two shabby chic houses. Right. Um, you know, so you have to, because I always say, the, you know, the first question we're supposed to answer is, where are we? <laughs> and, um, <laughs> you know, um, you know, it, it, it becomes a question with certain, with certain projects, like when um, uh, when we uh, were doing this thing for HBO called "Too Big to Fail" um, about the financial meltdown, um, the um, a lot of offices. I watched the original script. The original script was like oh my gosh, <laughs> sixteen offices and ten conference rooms. Yeah, and like, how do you just let people know where we are? Yeah, and was sort of like well um the wall street stuff will be you know the 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 bankers offices will be more slick and modern and the washington offices will have a certain look and then you know trying to break it down just to do what i always call theme and variations because um you just people need to know where they are and when it's all offices and yeah men in suits it's, it's like whose office are we in you know and you try to avoid um giving them collections <laughs> you know yeah. and i mean it's like this guy has boating memorabilia right and, you know right no yeah this guy likes hard. golf you know there's always a golfer yeah and you know you don't want to rely on that too much or i don't want to rely on that too much because it's it's yeah. um I don't know. It's 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 it shows your hand too too clearly. I think I'm uh, I'm starting up the uh, next American Crime Story: The Impeachment of Bill Clinton, and uh-huh. it's all offices and it's like twenty conference rooms. It's all like lawyers' offices, and so even doing the one liner, everyone is confused because it just says conference room. <laughs> Like, well, I mean, the conference room things are tough because you know how hard it is just to get conference tables. Yeah. And the number of times you end up having to build the conference table and yeah. you go to the location and the first question you ask is, can the conference table be moved? And it's like, well, it can't because it's all wired and it's, you know, for our video and our conference and whatnot. So yeah. you can't shoot in them, even if they're, even if you go to a real conference room. Yeah. And, uh, and, and then how many, at least for me, even on Veep, like just running out of like, okay, another conference room. How many, I need 16 chairs. There's only like 
10 sets of 16 chairs here. Like, I can't, you know. But you see, you Los Angeles isn't much better shape for that than than we are we yeah. have i mean i know that you have fewer there are fewer prop houses in la than there used to be yeah. but there's still a lot more than there are in new york and um um regina graves and i spent one day just doing a little blitz through some prop houses because we were out in la for something else mm-hmm. um you know for the gilded age that we're working on mm-hmm. first for period things we have like one and a half places to go yeah and, no there's not and, much uh, anymore and I've said, you know, if I see the set, the Newell, uh, the prop house that used to just be an art gallery or something, have this one set of 16 brown leather Chippendale mm-hmm. conference table chairs. And it's like, sometimes I'll say, I guess you have to get the Chippendale chairs because you know that it's hard to get multiple. Yeah, yeah. It's- Particularly when it's, you know, a scene that's, there's going to be one scene, you know, you have three eighths of a page in one office. I mean, that's, that's the business. So that's the first thing we were talking about, the number of locations, but that's, it's everything now. Yeah. You know, the locations that are dressed help us so much just because of, like you're saying, like just getting a different look out there that I'm not able to, to get. I mean, you, you enhance these locations as much as you can, but for me, having 16 chairs that match somewhere is like, okay, if that works, can we use this? <laughs> if this well, works... but the thing is, I, I do so much period stuff that yeah. you don't get yeah. that no. gifts and like those gifts. And um, we're investing a lot in the upfront build on the Gilded Age. Mm. Um, but then there's still a lot of location to work, a lot of location work to do. And it's hard to sort of get the producers um, used to the idea that, we are not going to have any walk-ins on this show. Right. Or, we're, you know, um, we, we're probably going to be doing some some uh, walk-ins to, to places in Newport. But even then, we still have to swap out the hero furniture so it, someone yeah. can sit on it. And because you're not going to have that and you're not going to go to the breakers and mm. sit on the sofa. <laughs> <laughs> um, and the Gilded Age is New York in the 
you're well, in they, 1882 they, and you go to a location and there's yeah. the electrical outlets that wouldn't be there, then there's a, then there's a, a, a burglar alarm and then there's a, a thermostat and it's like, you know, yeah. and uh, it's hard uh, to track them and have VFX like erase them all. You know? I, I always run into locations where I can't make any holes in the walls. So, okay. So you, how many, so I got to hang artwork or no, no holes. You're like, okay, you're just praying that these command hooks can hold up and not drop during the middle of the scene. But that seems to be my biggest problem a lot of times when I go into locations. You know, And it's more of a problem than it used to be. Yeah, can't of, paint, can't um, make any holes. Well, like, well, you know, if why are we here? often I'll just, I'll just unfortunately have to veto locations that won't let us paint if the walls are as white as could be. Yeah, yeah. And then there's always the... Well, if we like what you do, and then you paint the room, and they're like, oh, this looks really nice. I think we're going to keep it. It really softens the room. And then at the 11th hour, mm-hmm. you find out, we actually want it painted back. And it's like, why are you telling us that you want it painted back after we put all your furniture back? Yeah. <laughs> you know? Well, yeah. Yeah, the indecision but, of, of normal people. <laughs> but it's, <laughs> it's, it's, more, it's more common to be told you can't make holes in walls. I mean, you yeah. used to... You used to get away with it more. And I think, at least in New York, people are so savvy. And then everybody knows somebody to call and say, well, they got such and such. Right, right. And, um, and then everybody on the block has their hand out. And then, you know. When, uh, when you, uh, uh, when you speaking of scouting, how, when you were on Sopranos, how many diners did you scout? <laughs> um, we... Um, Two a week, or <laughs> um, well, first of all, we ate lunch in half of them. We yeah, had a production yeah. manager. Like, it's funny because we would either eat in diners or we would eat in um, Italian restaurants of sometimes questionable distinction, sometimes good, sometimes um, bad. And um, there was a period when every time we went into an Italian restaurant either to scout it or for lunch, there was the same Andrea Bocelli record playing. It's like, oh my God. I didn't know you were another, coming. <laughs> is there another Italian song? I mean, it was everywhere. Everywhere. That is too funny. I miss and, um, I miss We used to turn them into soprano songs because there was one that was bum and we used to sing Angie Bump and Sarah, Bump and Sarah. <laughs> <laughs> hey, listen, you get a little loony on these, uh, on these texts. You do, scouts. you do. You <laughs> know, I mean, I, I had done a poster, um, uh, the, the early years of the Sopranos, I used to always joke that this would be in Scout Band, the movie. Um, <laughs> and, um, the tagline was on the turnpike, no one can hear you scream. <laughs> and, um, so one Christmas, I, I made these posters for everybody in the Scout Van, and it was like one of those old 1970s Irwin Allen disaster films, oh where at the top of the poster, they had little boxes with all of, because they were always like stunt cast with a million stars, and um, it was the people in the Scout Van and who was playing them in the movie, you know. That's perfect. <laughs> movie posters used to be so gorgeous, and the colors, and like the... I don't know the the fonts and I don't know. I feel like we've lost movie poster 
art? Well, you know, it's all changed and marketing's changed so much when you, when you, um, when you see a trailer for a movie, it's all about who's in it and, and, and very few, um, posters are more than a photo of like the main yeah. talent yeah. but it's like academy award nominee so-and-so academy award winner so-and-so oh, yeah. academy award attendee you know it's like and they didn't used to do that yeah you know? i i i was uh looking at um movie posters the other day and thinking like i wonder if it would hold up now and I, i'm going along with what you're saying but you just want to see the star or you just want to see like the Iron Man mask or it's almost been dumbed down so much. It's a, it's a sin. <laughs> well, you know, I, I, we used to think that um, there were too many sequels and now the idea of the reboot, oh, it, I know. like, okay, you do Batman, you do a sequel to Batman, you do a third Batman and then you start all over again yeah. as if you didn't make the first Batman. Yeah. Or Spider Man, the idea that Spider-Man. they've been three different rounds of who is Spider Man is like. There's something. How, there's, how interesting is this? You know, no, there's something that I heard once with Sony that they own Spider Man, and they have to redo it so many years or they lose it. It's something like that. That's that's what I heard about Spider Man. I don't know what the deal with Batman is. I don't know. Or with anything. I mean, it's oh. like. Uh, you know, it almost becomes like, you know, Kabuki or something like that, where there are only there are only a handful of stories. Ah, mysterious the, the mysterious stranger story. You know, but, yeah. But um, it's yeah. Uh, it's it's disheartening, and um, well, you've been. I mean, you've been lucky. I would. I don't know if it's lucky, but you've been. You work. Neighbor's car. Sorry. No, I've been lucky and have had some really great projects, and I've also been lucky, you know, to sort of been in situations where we were given the resources to actually do the the work, you know, because you spend a lot of your job is arguing for why you need to do your job yeah. and why it's going to cost money to 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 do the job, and you know, it really depends on the management that you're that you're dealing with and you know um i mean the worst is when someone sort of acts like you're spending their money you know i oh oh my god i always say that like it's not your money like i'm here my job is to spend money that's my job okay i I mean sometimes sometimes when they say what's this gonna cost me and i say oh i'm sorry i didn't know they were making you pay for it yeah (laughs) (laughs) yes yes stop acting like it's your money this is it's money that we need to put on the screen. That's what it's here for. And I didn't write it. That's the other thing I like to say is like, I didn't write this scene and this is what it's going to cost. If you, Hey, what do you, I don't care. Whatever you want to cut out or whatever, whatever it takes, but this is what it, this is the standard and this is what it costs. I, I didn't make it up. This is reality. You know, we, we told, um, was I going to say there was, there was a, a time on the Sopranos where there was quite a thing with a production manager about what, what a set was costing and it's like it says and this was you know 18 years ago or 17 years ago or something it says ten thousand dollar a night hotel suite (laughs) and suite implies there's more than one room and 
you know, um, it's a, and I think it was supposed to be at the plaza. It's a $10,000 a night suite at the plaza. If you can get them to write Motel 6, it's going to come down a lot. Yeah. You know, three little uh, word, three little words is all is all that needs changing, and you, know, then, and you, you can know. have the, the answer you want. I, 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 and, I want. Yeah, but I haven't. Okay. I haven't had the TV projects that people I know who, you know, a production manager came in and they were putting outlets on the walls, and it's like, what are those for? And it's like, well, to make it look more real. And it's like, well, unless the script calls for it, don't do it. It's like we can't put outlets on the wall. I mean, it's crazy. But yeah, uh, well, I gotta. I get requests for outlets because electric needs to use them. Not that it's where an outlet should be. It's that electric needs to use it for their, they'll make it hot. And then, you know, they don't have to run lines in the room. It's like, I don't know. Well, I mean, the big thing really is in the digital world, um, that set deck is, is actually doing most of the lighting these days. Yeah. And it's like, well, what kind of, um, it's funny, I did a Q&A with Regina, and they said, well, does, um, like, does Rodrigo ask you specific things? And she was like, no, nah. and I said, what do you mean not really? It's like, is this, could this be an up light? Could this be a down light? Could this be something that's going to bounce off the wall? Could this be something that I can keep off the walls? And, like, very, very specific requirements on, oh, on yeah. light and, yeah. and what kind of bulbing. And then it's yeah. like, and then, you know, I, I'm sure you live with it all the time. That's like, um we're not actually required to be giving you all the bulbs. <laughs> oh, the bulb thing is absurd. I mean, because like you're saying, if we have to supply the bulbs and you want every bulb to be a hundred watt and this lamp only takes like a 60, like right. I, we're going to, is there, there better be a fire marshal around because <laughs> there could be, these lamps could go up. These shades could go up at the amount of like, lighting it's going to take just so you don't have to put up a light i mean it's a little different now that you know things are so um led intensive and that the led technology has improved so much because with dimming um, and with with being dimmable with having the ability to change the color temperature i mean it's not that everything's blue or purple and you can't dim it um and i remember and the cost has come down so much because yeah the pilot for Nurse Jackie, you know, it was hospital lighting. And um, the ceilings aren't very high in a hospital hallway. And, you know, it's like, well, no, it's not going to look like a hospital if I make the hall the hallway taller or wider. Because the idiot was going to make these hallways wider. And it's like, it's, it's, you know, it's already wider than a hospital. I'm not going to make it any wider. Um, and uh, Vanya Searchwood wanted to use these um, LED uh pads and at the time they were like oh my god they were insanely expensive but of course now they fling them all over the place so that's that's a little better because i remember on a commercial um having a lamp literally melt yes and it was um the the, the scene was in a child's room and there was like a little you know ducky lamp or some <laughs> cute little child's lamp and they put a 500 watt bulb in it oh and <laughs> As long as they get their light, they don't. And there's only one of those lamps. It's not like I want to run out and get another lamp like that. No, no. Yeah. I mean that happens all the time. And like, then if something happens and people are like, well, "Why do you have another one?" It's like, if I submitted the invoices for having multiples of every lamp we have in case they melted it. Yeah. You know? <laughs> so I, yeah, I've had that happen on like older, like vintage lamps that I bring onto the set for like a period set. 
and the wattage doesn't work for them and then it's like well we can't use this well that's not my i don't want you to use it i just want it to be on i just want it in well the you know we've also have um you know it becomes much more of a thing of having all the lamps up front and then you know the thing that's crazy is that you know you have a shop electrician on the stage because it's their job to turn the lights on because it's electric and then you have two lamps that need rewiring it's like oh i'm gonna have to get some help yeah and it's like what's happening in between when you're turning the lights on you literally flick a switch yeah that's it and um everything has to be rewired you know yeah um and um you know some people some decorators are good with that stuff and some people hopefully have someone on their team that's good with that stuff um because you know in new york it's it's crazy the number of things that fall into set deck that you can't figure out you know why i know i think among them being hardware they do glass they do hardware they do glass they do hardware they do wall coverings you know and you know it's kind of crazy because obviously you know i'm picking the wall coverings and i'm not gonna like come in and find out what 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 kind of wallpaper is there and um but um i i don't i don't know that is weird i i but the glass is the killer the glass has like just has has sent many a budget over because getting the i mean like look at the amount of glass like on the boardwalk yeah and um and then you know it was always like well can't you gimbal the windows on the stores on the boardwalk because you know reflections from the green screen and it's like um the storefronts would leak (laughs) you know it's so were that was that um so the reflections of the ocean was green screen or was that cause... it was all i mean yeah i mean basically we built a 300 foot long um boardwalk and i had a, a, a building that sort of bisected the boardwalk that it would never have been there right the end cap the cap at the end the um it was the amusement pier thing and it was had all the, these like lots of individual bulbs on and whatnot mm-hmm. but if we had not put that there to have something to look at in that direction and it actually you could walk through it and in theory be on the other part of the boardwalk um it would it would have been nothing you wouldn't you would see nothing but like these raked shots of the boardwalk yeah. but um it was surrounded by it had um uh green screen uh containers on two sides opposite the boardwalk was where the ocean would be and that was all green screened and um and then the other end of the boardwalk you know was a was a big extension but even at that most of the buildings were one and two stories and they had upward extensions too you know well i'm completely blown away i really thought that you guys built that out on like I don't know, boardwalk like Coney Island or something, and you had the advantage of like having the they, ocean they, there. But they did later. They did later in in season three or something. They maybe it was four. They went to Far Rockaway because they lost the lease on the original site of the boardwalk. Oh my god! Um, well, I mean, it was again post financial meltdown, and um, the the lot where we built the boardwalk was supposed to have some big condo complex which the owners were not going to invest in at the time. And then they, um, you know, three, four years later, the financial crisis was over, uh, condo sales were booming, and they wanted the property back to build condos, or they wanted a truly, truly exorbitant um, rental hike on it. 
So they went out, but, but I was gone by then because um, I have to say, staying multiple seasons is, is something I find I just can't do anymore. You know, um, the Gilded Age is the first time I've signed on for episode episode two since Pan Am, and um, and um, it's just <laughs> you know, it's the episodic thing. Yeah. It's, it's the the idea that. Um, it's episode three, and there, we're opening a big new set that we've done, and that I can't be there to open the set because I have to be in the scout van to scout something for episode four. Yeah. Um, yeah. Not being, you know, and, and and having a situation where because of the way a series runs when I'm on set, people are like, whoa, what are you doing here? You know, because if I'm on set, something's wrong. Basically, because I'm either in a meeting or dressing the next sets or, you know, we're prepping and yeah, uh, I'm with you. And, you know, a part of the job is opening sets like and you want to be there. You want to see like I want to make sure everything's right. I want to make sure everything if needs to be moved can be moved. And there there are definitely times that there is no consideration from production when they sign these meetings and scouting and everything of like, oh, Oh, they're opening that set. That doesn't occur to them a lot of times, at least in my world. It's just sort of. I mean, it. I mean, sometimes I will point it out, and you know, in in many cases, I can get a change in saying, "Oh, well, we can leave later or something." If I want to open, if it's depending on what the set is, you know, if I if I say something that sometimes, but sometimes it can't be accommodated because you know, we have the director for this amount of time, and the director is going to be has to go somewhere on Friday and whatever, you know. It's the same thing with the actor deals, you know, yeah. that you think you have a schedule for something and then they get all excited and they just sign so-and-so who is available for two afternoons in August. Yeah. <laughs> and, yeah. <you> know, <laughs> and, and then everything goes upside down. Yeah. It doesn't matter what, what we want basically, but, no. but you did, you were on, you were on Sopranos. So Sopranos was your last time do, wanting to do like, I guess, well, episodic or... which is ironic because I didn't start the Sopranos. You know, right. I didn't do the pilot and um, I actually interviewed to do the first season and um, didn't get the, the job because I'd never done a series before. And I think David was like, mm, he'd never done a series. That's a little scary. And then for whatever reason, they were making a change after after the first season. And um, and that show I didn't want to let go of. It was like my show. I didn't want someone else doing it. Yeah. And it wasn't even my show, <laughs> you yeah. know. And then, you know, um, I remember, you know, I left Nurse Jackie at the end of the first season with like one week to go to start scouting on Boardwalk. I mean, it was mostly done. Mm. And, you know, um, I adore Edie Falco and really wanted to, you know, do her show. But um, doing multiple scenes of like a hospital thing, I probably would have lost my mind. Yeah. And, um, And then, you know, uh, and then you're just doing film. Well, you did the. You did well, the I did. I did vinyl. the first. I did the first season. I did the first season of um, of uh, Boardwalk, and then I was originally just going to do the pilot of Pan Am. Um, Which was Tommy, beautiful. Well, I mean, Tommy Shlami, who's very persuasive, <laughs> you know, convinced me to at least get the series started. And then I kept thinking that there wasn't any point in leaving because they were going to pull the plug. And um, 
uh, it had the strange number of seven episodes. Um, and uh, it was just kind of funny because um, yeah. there was some reason they had to do seven instead of six. It's like it was the only show I ever heard of that was picked up for a back one. <laughs> and um, Before, I, I completely forgot to kind of ask, but how did you start out? How did you get into production design? Um, when I was in high school, I was in, equally interested in art and music. Um, I played the French horn, and um, uh, but I had always drawn. On, um, I mean, when I was the kind of kid that, you know, if I was being punished, it was like no coloring for you today. <laughs> Take my crayons. Kind of thing. And um, anyway, um, the uh, in trying to decide what I wanted to do was somewhere along the line because of playing the French horn, I had gotten interested in opera. And um, I came up with this idea that if I designed scenery for like operas and musicals and stuff like that, it would combine my interest in in um, in theater and my and and my interest in art and my interest in music, and um, I just decided that I needed to go to New York because I thought I needed to go to art school because I thought that you needed to be able to draw. Um, and as you know, you come across fewer and fewer people yeah. who are designers who can draw, yeah. Um, yeah. and um, and that I would probably so I would go to undergraduate school for art and then I would. Um, probably have to get the masters or something um but i got extremely lucky and i even though i went to an art school there was a theater department or a little tiny theater or something and i did a show and, and the uh the director of that show was a student of this director named wilfred leach who used to work at la mama in uh, new york and he asked me if i wanted to work on a show with him and then over the summer he sort of made a move from La Mama and started working at the public theater and he was doing a show at the public theater and he asked if I wanted to work on it. So I co-designed and he was a director with very strong concepts of what he wanted, but he wasn't somebody who drew or designed. So like I was the co-designer of this show hmm. at the public theater um, when I was in undergraduate school and was only 20 years old. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, and I still was thinking, well, that I need to go to grad school or whatever. And then, like, the third summer, I, he was doing Shakespeare in the Park, and I did a couple summers of Shakespeare in the Park, you know, one year as uh, some sort of general assistant. And, you know, um, a designer actually named John Schaffner, he might know, was working with him. Yes, I've, uh, I've interviewed and, him. He's awesome. And um, so... And then, you know, he was also like saying, you should go to Carnegie, <laughs> you know, because he's a big Carnegie Mellon person. Yeah. And then like a couple seasons later, we did the Pirates of Penzance, um, which was a was a successful revival with Linda Ronstadt when she was sort of at the top of the rock keep and it moved to Broadway. So somehow or other, I accidentally um, had my first show on Broadway when I was 23. Oh, God. And um, I worked with... Um, this, this director, Wilfred Leach, um, it was it was an unusual thing. I kind of was like learning on the job. Um, I didn't really know how to draft, and because you know I went to art school, and so part of the year I would work with Wilfred designing shows, and the rest of the year I was working as an assistant to other people. Um, the designer Andrew Jackness really taught me how to draft, and um, you know. 
thinking I needed to work on my skills, you know, rather than just hanging out my shingle that I was a designer. And I did something like 18 shows with Wilford and, um, he passed away in the late eighties and, um, I sort of stayed in theater a little bit longer and felt like, you know, I had worked with this incredible person doing amazing things. And the idea of if I was going to have to get back in the trenches and, um, get new contacts and try something different, um, that I would change media. And it was really that, um, Howard Cummings had been a friend of mine from, um, like 1980. We met at the Williamstown theater festival and, um, he always knew he wanted to do film. And so it was a combination of Wilfred passed away. And then one year I did my income taxes and realized how little money I had made, even though I had more than one show running on Broadway. Um, and they said, Howard, you have to get me into this movie stuff. And, um, he was doing the first movie that he was doing that was, um, that required a lot of built scenery. And by that time, building scenery was mostly what I had done because, you know, you have to build the scenery if you're on on the stage. (laughs) You got to create it. And so, um, he, um, asked me to, to, to work on this movie, but at the time everything was so much smaller. I mean, I was just talking to somebody yesterday, like on the first movie I did, with Howard, the art department was me and Howard. Right. And, you know, I drew and drafted every single stick of scenery. And um, the art director, set decorator was um, a guy named Bob Franco, who unfortunately passed away a number of years ago. And um, he had a few weeks of an assistant. You know, other than that, he didn't even really have anybody working with him. And Elaine O'Donnell worked with him for a few weeks. But like in the office, it was like there were two people in accounting. Right. <laughs> with the accountant and the assistant. And there were three people in the production office. You know, there was the POC, the APOC, and one one secretary, PA. And everything was smaller. And uh, But I never really, I did one, I had one other commitment to design an opera for the Washington Opera. And after that, I never went back and did, did theater again. But do you think all of that theater experience comes into play somehow? Well, I think it did because, you know, I, well, first of all, like I always drew and I could always, I mean, for me, the biggest thing has been as shows get bigger and bigger, it's not even possible for me to really do, do preliminary drawings as much as I used to. Right. As recently as The Wolf of Wall Street, I um, would draw at least every ground plan for every set mm-hmm. myself wow. and then pass them on. Right. And then, you know, and even to do that, because I had done uh, Boardwalk Empire with with uh, Marty, but you know it was sort of like it was prepped by a Sopranos team. Mm-hmm. I mean, Tim Van Patten was very involved. Mm-hmm. Mostly, I was scouting with Tim and with uh, Gina Hainman, who was a location scout from The Sopranos, and we sort of put the package together. And then Marty came in; he wanted to change two locations, but we sort of prepped the show. Mm. And even compared to things I've done with him since, you know, I wasn't getting a lot of research and I wasn't getting a lot of that stuff from him. So it was like, but I think the idea of doing a TV show was kind of a little far into Marty at the time anyway. And, but then doing Wolf of Wall Street, there was so much stuff and there were so many producers and I spent most of the time being sure I was going to be fired. And, um, uh, because it was more 
there was no buffer between me and Marty other than producers. And I felt like I was never in a room with, and half of them were not wanting me to mention anything that might cost money. And, um, well, that's not going to (laughs) happen. But anyway, um, uh, so I used to, I went in every Sunday without telling anybody and, you know, did all the ground plans. And, um, and I, I still sometimes am dogged by this feeling if I, if I don't draw it, I haven't designed it, you know? Yeah, definitely. Because, um, you know, I remember saying to somebody who, I always say there's different schools. There's sort of the studio background and I don't mean necessarily film studio. I mean, working in an art department with desks and drafting and whatnot kind of designer. And then there are people who I say are more from the hunter gatherer school, (laughs) which is. No, I mean, like, somebody who I think is a, I mean, obviously he's, is, I, 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 the one time I worked with Mark Friedberg was I was the art director on the Ice Storm, mm-hmm. and he always said, well, you taught me about building scenery, but Mark was always like, I found this thing, you know, and this guy, and we're going to do this with it, and, and you know, he, it, it was this amazing kind of collage art form, um, uh, at which he's quite brilliant, you know. Um, but that's, you know, he was a, an example of somebody who I said came from the hunter-gatherer school. There is, and, there is quite a difference of the people who draw and can sketch up, like, what this is going to look up really quickly. And and then there is, like, just overload of images sometimes, I find. Well, I mean, sometimes there's too many images and it's... And it's um, you know, too many of them are, are, um, mood pieces. Yeah. I mean, I worked with one designer, um, and there was not an inch of sheetrock showing on his walls because there were so many yes. things plastered on the walls. Yes. And then I remember going in and saying, is any, are any of these the pharmacy? You know, <laughs> because, yes. you know, they were not, they were not set specific. Right. It was all. All it were, they were all mood board. It was her his, his entire office was a mood board. Yeah, but um, it's hard. You know, it's difficult. It's it's hard to interpret that as a decorator, and I, I'm sure as an art director, if you were in that situation, because I, I get it. I get the mood. Now, what are we doing? Like, <laughs> what is the reality of this? But you know what I so what I feel though when working with a decorator though is it's, it's important not. It's important to uh, explain basically in terms of pieces and how much stuff we need and, and things that we absolutely must have. And then, you know, here's part of a palette. But, like, I I would rather start uh, pulling fabric um, before I start picking wall colors. Yeah. You know, and the idea of like this is what it's going to be, and now you have to find a fabric that's going to work on the sofa that goes with this. And it's like you know, it's so easy to change a paint color. <laughs> and, <laughs> that is and, that is, that and, is so appreciated of like and, and hard to find the fabric. And yeah. to me, it's like, um, I love when 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 there's just like piles of fabric and piles of stuff and. You know, I always make a joke and I would I say to Regina, um, um, well, we need to spend some time in the Selectron chamber, I call it. And then, you know, just looking at this and pinning stuff on the walls. And invariably, as I'm sure you know, it ends up when everyone else has left for the day. 
and are on their way to dinner or whatever, you know, Regina and I are in, you know, the Selectron chamber pinning stuff to the wall because, you know, you, you sort of need concentration with no one. Yeah, absolutely. Stepping and- in and saying, which hardware do you want? These are two door pulls I can get. This one's on back order. So and it's like, well, then I, you know, whatever. Um, it's like having kids, you know, yeah. um, Getting their, their interruptions. It is. It's like mom and dad getting five minutes alone <laughs> to talk. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, <laughs> and, um, uh, but you, you can be too specific and, um, you know, and you have to learn that everybody has a different process and to a certain, to a certain point, um, they're learning your process, but at a certain point you're learning theirs and it's, it, it has to, be fluid enough that you realize that if you're too specific with some people, it kind of ties their hands behind their back. And then they, yeah. you know, I mean, I, I knew another decorator who would be, um, uh, she was all instinct, you know, she wasn't really research. She would go out, she would buy stuff and just kind of felt right. And then she had a terrible time with um, assistance because um, she would do so much and that she kind of knew that everyone had an assistant, so she had an assistant, and then she would give them relatively small tasks to do. And they were like, wow, if she only told me to look for ashtrays, these must need to be like the magic ashtrays, you know? <laughs> and, um, but with her, I would say things like, um, this room should look like it was decorated by Stevie Nicks. <laughs> <laughs> and, um, that's a good note. She did better with that than with something more specific. Right. And other people want something more specific. And, and you know, some people are um, used to the idea that, you know, I w- wouldn't know what 60% of the stuff on the set was going to be when I saw it dressed, and I can't work that way, mm-hmm. you know. I need to know more what's going to be there. I feel like when I, when going back to the business of opening a set, I feel it's like the political ads. It's, you know, it's, um, you know, hi, I'm Bob and I stand behind this set, you know, <laughs> um, instead of like, hmm, why is that there? You know? Right. And, uh, well, uh, no, but I, as a decorator, I don't, I don't want to hear that either of like the designer being like, Oh, I didn't know we were doing this or, and it happens sometimes because of how quickly we have to turn out sets and everything. And it's not, I don't, I don't think it's ever hiding or, or I'm just going to do this. It's sort of like, well, this needed to get done and this is, this is what happened. And, and I know for myself, it would never be like a, like a disrespectful thing, but I, I have heard that of like, oh yeah, this artwork, you should have ran that by me or something. And it's like, oh, shit, no, I'm so sorry. I totally would have, but we talked about this yesterday and the cameras are here, so. Right, right. Yeah, yeah well, that's the TV thing. Yeah. You know, it's hard. Yeah. That's- um, you know, right now we're, we have tons of prep for um, this Gilded Age, and I don't know. I mean, I, I'm, try- I'm struggling with someone asked me to write something for some um, – production designer forum collective that um, a, a designer named Kalina Ivanov is sort of spearheaded mm-hmm. and about working on sets that have a large digital component. And um, I'm trying to think what made me, what made me get hung up, hung, hung up on this. Um, 
and it was about how do you work, you know, where a lot of things are going to be digital. And it's like, well, you know, when you have the luxury of a longer time frame and you're working on a feature or you're doing a pilot or you're doing upfront on a show, um, then you, you are working, you have more time with the visual effects supervisor and yeah. the art department can say, we've drawn the set extension for you. These are the buildings. This is it. It's, you know, you just need to like texture map it or whatever. But when you're doing a series, I mean, there were some things on Pan Am that were like, with the visual effects, I mean, I would, I just saw the episode and it was like, oh my God. <laughs> um, I shouldn't have said that, but, um, uh, and it's just because, and, and it's even changed since then. I mean, that's 10 years ago and now the art department provides much more. There's much more digital work in the art department. Yeah. But um, uh, the people who do the software and do the rendering and, and understand that component don't necessarily understand the architecture right? and things are kind of doodads. And I was just recently reviewing something, going through some uh, buildings that are part of a set extension. And it's like, those are brackets. They, they would support something, you know, they're, they're not just like hanging off the side of the building. So unless there's something sitting on them, they shouldn't be there, you know, but it's just people, cherry picking things from the research and saying, Oh, this is cool. Let's put this over here. And you know, if the, if the person doing it doesn't really have a sense of architecture, um, you can end up with some pretty peculiar buildings, you know? Did you find that, um, when you had to build that, that, uh, the boardwalk in Atlantic city, when you did you pick and choose because now i'm remembering that when i watched it the um the mermaid little inset in the wall and (laughs) and those types of details i know that you must have done an enormous amount of research on that was there it was a combination of two things it was a combination of um of uh looking more like the tremor hotel Mm -hmm. and certain things that um doug Pusty, the art director was able to find you know um I mean, some of the some of the stuff was sculpted and made, and some of the stuff was was just purchased. Mm-hmm. You know, so we actually found some fish that <laughs> we could, you know, yeah. put a fish here in the middle of the plaque, put a frame around it, put a little doodad here and there, and next thing you know, you have something. But on that show, we started um, basically um, the boardwalk's going to be this long, and we started tiny, like an eighth inch scale or something, and um, we. Um, just started making buildings and um, putting them together. And uh, like, there were, I don't know if you remember, there was a chop suey house that was yeah. um, a piece of reference. And it's like, well, we have to have that. So we made a little model of the chop suey house. We made a couple models of other things. And then we kept sticking them together. And I would say there was many buildings that didn't make the cut as, as we used. It wasn't like, here's slot A, here's slot B. Right. We just kind of made buildings, and then we started scrambling them around and putting them together. And then in the eighth-inch form, we found the buildings we liked, and then the producer said, this is really great. This is way too small. Can you make something that's big enough for us to take to HBO? Um, <laughs> but it started just with a grab bag of buildings. Oh, wow. Yeah, the facades on that on that boardwalk are, are gorgeous. Did you Did you have as much to build on Sopranos or was that, I mean, I know we talked about more locations like that final scene, that diner in Sopranos, was that a build? 
No, that wasn't a build. That was a, you know, David Chase is from the area that the show is about. You know, he's from Verona, New Jersey. So he, he wrote Holston's, which is the name of oh. the, the place that was there even when he was growing up and it's still there. And um, the only thing we had to do was cover the back wall um, because it had some kind of thing that related to something that we didn't want. I don't know. I don't remember what it was. Um, I mean, not that I don't think the mural was a triumph. I think it, it ends up something I ended up putting together from clip art because we were like kind of desperate. Um, but um, there were a lot of builds on The Sopranos, but you know, you didn't necessarily know what a lot of them were. I mean, we were on five stages by the end. Oh, wow. Um, but the Soprano house and certain things were built from season one, so I really didn't have anything to do with them. And um, But I always also said it was like the train wreck school of design in that um, if we did like a funeral parlor set and we put flocked wallpaper up and it was, um, you know, had older woodwork and was in a, a, you know, Victorian building in Irvington, New Jersey or something like that, where we're supposed to be then we would take and cut a hole in the middle of the flock wallpaper wall and put in a hollow core door um with stained clamshell trim on it because you know it, it was that that was the look you know right. it was right. it was um the um i mean and just from scouting you get so many ideas from scouting i just wanted to get your thoughts on on how you think this new world that we live in uh will will affect us um i think uh the first few months are going to be very very tricky and i think that um over time uh things will get closer to what we would call normal but there are certain things that will never really be the same again um and when you just think in terms of safety and you think in terms of health I mean, particularly in New York, it's worth the whole food thing with the film business is just weird. Yeah, it is. Why everyone on a film set thinks that they are in imminent danger of starvation. I, I know. know. Food 24 7, anything you want, it's crazy. And, you know, LA has always had this thing that you can't have, you know, open food sitting out and that, you know, nuts have to be in dispensers and you have to turn a dial or press a button or something like that. And New York has generally not been like that or has been very slow to adapt to that. And, you know, I think all this open food, I mean, it seems so wasteful anyway. So, I mean, that's certainly going to change. And, um, you know, um, I think there are a lot of things that, probably always should have been adhered to that people really didn't think so much about, you know, yeah. cleanliness of sets, I think is one thing. And sorry, the, the cleanliness of sets, I think has yeah. to be addressed yeah. and deep cleaning, maybe some deep cleaning. Deep. <laughs> well, I mean, it's, um, I mean, our location manager, um, on Gilded Age was talking about these, you know, air, I don't know what they do, but there's some kind of thing that, you know, it's a very industrial air filter thing mm. that, uh, which of course you currently can't find because you know they're right. mostly being used in hospitals. But I think, um, you know, uh, I think it will not be as changed as people are now talking about. I don't think we're going to go and find grids painted on the floor everywhere and we can't, you know, stand that close to each other. It's interesting because we had one. Um, uh, set designer on the Gilded Age who was um, 
what point it was, she had, you know, something, some bug. And um, she was out for a few days. And when she came back, she was wearing a mask. And, um, I mean, she happened to be Japanese where it's a kind of a common cultural thing. Right. The wearing of masks. And um, and when you think of it, it's like, well, she felt better, but she wasn't sure whether she was still contagious. So she was wearing a mask. And in that case, it was, you know, exactly with, before all these guidelines. It was months ago before we shut down. And you think, well, it makes perfect sense. And, you know, people tended to sort of stereotype it, you know, as an Asian thing. But it was like, well, it makes sense that she felt well enough to come back, but she didn't know that she wasn't contagious, so she was wearing a mask. And I think that kind of stuff will just become, you know, the standard. But, uh, I mean, ultimately, even though 350,000 people in the country died, you know, the country went back to normal after the Spanish influenza. Yeah. I, I I like you say I think there will be a new normal, and I don't I think whatever you know re, sort of ridiculous things that we have to do for this, um, like staying six feet apart or whatever, and I don't think it's forever. So I think that that's a that's a little thing to keep in mind that maybe it's it's not forever till we get a vaccine or something. But there are definitely improvements that can be made for our, our health and safety on, on film sets. And um, and maybe this is a good thing that it's going to be addressed. Yeah. 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 I don't know. Um, I, people are healthier when they're not working 15 hours, you know? Yeah. <laughs> yes. Yeah. The stress. I don't think the stress yeah. is going to come down at all, but maybe uh, physically we won't have to, to be like that. Yeah. Um, yeah. I'm going to say goodbye because I've kept okay. you. I'm so sorry. <laughs> That's all right. Well, unfortunately, I'm not doing a lot other than trying to write this thing for this this article that I can't seem to get on track with. So, yeah, you see what I mean there? Could've, I could have done better on this. I, I really did. I prepared. I watched a lot to prepare for this. And, uh... I just got caught up. There was just so much to ask him, and I really wanted to get into, like, what do you really think happened in that last scene of Sopranos, but I am sure that he has been asked that a million times, so I didn't. Um, my opinion has changed recently since I just rewatched that last episode. I actually thought, like, oh, this is just how he lives every time he goes out to dinner and looking over your shoulder, and I actually think, he, I think they killed him. Because you know what? The music stopped. And in, I believe every episode of The Sopranos, music goes on in those credits. It was always like, what song are they going to play? Um, but the music stopped. So, uh, I just maybe I'm getting older and I really thought about it now. But, yeah. Anyway. Phenomenal that, uh, I mean, talking about Boardwalk Empire and all those details he found and, Yeah. I'm just so thrilled that I got the opportunity to talk with him. He has um, canaries, which are the birds you might have heard in there. And um, then I'm sure you heard my neighbor's car. Sorry about that. Um, but yeah, just a, a wonderful man to devote. <laughs> like uh, It was almost two hours I talked to him. But uh, I'm going to have the interviews be a little bit longer in the next coming weeks because, um, you know, cutting them into two episodes, I can do. But 
I am, I actually uh, have so many interviews I want you to hear that it, they're getting further and further away. So uh, scheduling wise, I think I'm just going to make the interviews a little bit longer on a weekly basis and then we'll get more in. And speaking of which, in upcoming episodes, I have production designer Corey Lorenzen, production designer Tracy Dishman, editor Jonathan Fisher, set decorator Don Deers, and set decorator Brandy Kalish coming up. So, I got a lot, a lot of good stuff for you. Like, a lot. Like, it's good stuff. Um, and I'm going to be doing a little roundtable of The Good Place with production designer Ian Phillips, art director Adam Rao, graphics uh, at Graham Radcliffe, and props Gabe Perillo. So we're going to talk about that last episode of The Good Place that we did. So, yeah, it was sad and um, just in time for Emmy season. So, look, we all got some time on our hands right now. Keep healthy, keep safe, and just rate the podcast. It's a good little, good little exercise uh, to do. Just go on there, click, 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 four to five stars. That's all we need. Thanks. It's summertime, people. I hope you got your Stogie Floaty luxury pool float. Available now at stogiefloaty.com, Etsy, and Amazon. Float them if you got them.